Y'all ready for the word? Awesome, awesome. Oh, my goodness. There's so much to say. I I do, I want to honor our worship team. Can we just give it up for our worship team? Thank you so much, worship team. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Can I honor one more person? Actually, people. Can we honor the coffee? The, The coffee team? I'm telling you what. I had some coffee this morning, and it was just like the free stuff. And I was like, this is so good. I don't know who made it, but we give you honor. Yes, we say thank you. Thank you so much. Seriously, I know it's a lot of work, and so I don't even know if they're in here yet, if you guys are in here, but thank you. Thank you, coffee team. You awake my soul, (laughs) along with Jesus. But if you got a Bible, will you open up to Daniel chapter 3 this morning? I'm excited to to give a word uh, that's been on my heart, and I also believe uh, it's just an in-season word. Um, it's It's a season word for me. I also feel like it's a season word for our church. And I just want to say this. I want to say um, this season that God has us in, please don't miss out on what he's doing. I really feel like, I really feel like this season, I'm going to be really bold right now. And I'm going to say, I, I feel like this season is time to be all in or all out. I want to be all in. Don't miss out what the Lord is doing. This service, I hope, I hope you're entertained, but it's not for your entertainment. It's for Jesus. It's for transformation. It's that he would be lifted up, that he would get the glory. And here's what I love about this is that the Bible says that when the Son of Man, when Jesus is lifted up, that he will draw all men to himself. See, I don't want to draw anybody to myself. I know our pastors don't want to draw anybody to themselves. We want to draw people to Jesus. And I would, I would just declare, let it be said about the house of the Lord that we were a people who just wanted Jesus, that we were a people who just wanted his presence. We want other things, like I'm excited to maybe eat some pizza today. But let it be said that we were a people of his presence, amen? Let it be said that we didn't build things for us, we built things for the Lord. So Daniel chapter three, This is a familiar passage. If you grew up in church, you probably know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If I was preaching to youth, I would call them Shad, Mish, and Digo because they like that kind of stuff. But you guys are adults, most of you, and so we're going to keep their names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I really feel like this story came alive to me in new ways, and I'm just excited to to share it with you today. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's read Daniel chapter 3, Daniel chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 13. If you don't got a Bible, it's going to be up here on the big screen for you. This is what it says. And and I thank you, Ruth, for making me sound really spiritual. You know what I mean? Like, check this out. Stop playing. Furious with rage. Okay, now start playing. Furious with rage. Did you see that? You see that? That's why she's up here. Okay. (laughs) There's other reasons. This is what it says. Furious with rage. Nebuchadnezzar, he summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all the sound, all the kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship 
you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Going back to Sunday school today. Come on, somebody. This is awesome. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hands? We got news for King Nebuchadnezzar today, don't we? Come on. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter, which, by the way, will preach a message all by itself. Some people need to hear that today. You don't need to defend yourself. Can I say it like this? You don't need to defend God. You don't have to protect God. God can defend himself. God can protect himself. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual, and he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. And so these men, wearing their robes and trousers and turbans and other clothes, probably Nike, they were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took, who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, they fell into the blazing furnace. And then King Nebuchadnezzar, he leaped to his feet in amazement. He, right? I had to do it, okay? The first service laughed, and you didn't laugh. Thanks for hurting my feelings. All right. He, they, they, he leaped to his feet, and he asked his advisors, hold up, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? And, and they replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. Unbound and unharmed. Unbound and unharmed. The fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. They came out of the fire. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write down the title of my message, A Miracle in the Shaking, which I'm proud of myself. I came up with that all by myself. Do you get it? Like a miracle in the making? A miracle in the shaking? Okay. Are you, you going to keep playing? I need it. I need it. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Pray with me. It's already noon. My God. Okay. We need you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just, we dedicate this service to you. We ask that you'd have your way. God, I ask right now that you would remove walls and you would remove distraction and that you would come against in, in your authority, God. I thank you that you've given me all authority and I just come against right now in your name, Jesus, against any demonic or spiritual attack that wants to disrupt or interfere with your word today. I pray your word would go forth like a mighty arrow, God. And I pray that hearts would be soft in this room. I pray that ears would be open right now in Jesus' name. We surrender to what you want to do. We love you. We honor you. We praise you. And all God's people said amen. Amen. Let it be so. Let it be so. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you. I want to start today really by saying this. I want to say this over you, that God really cares about who we're becoming. 
God really cares about who you are on the inside, that God cares more about who you're becoming than where you're arriving, that God cares more about who you really are than who you pretend to be. See, I think our culture is all about doing and accolades and arrival and achievement, and those are good things. Like, like we, we wanna be successful, amen? And God will do amazing things in our life, but at the end of the day, can I tell you that God's role in our life as his people is to make us into who he's called us to be. It's to make us, is to form us, is to shape us. I don't know if you know this, but our main purpose in life, hear me, is to give God glory. To give God glory. Some people walk this earth and they go, why am I here? Why am I alive? What's my purpose? Can I tell you your purpose is to give God glory. One way we give God glory is we sing songs to him. That's why we worship, by the way. It's not for your entertainment. It's to give God glory. We give God glory and we sing songs of praise and thankfulness for who he is and what he's done and what he's yet to do. That's why we worship, by the way. We give glory to God. But another way that we give glory to God is through our lives. Did you know that? Another way that we give God glory, hear me, is when we reflect God and when we represent God. The Bible says that you and I, we were made in the image of God, the Imago Dei. That you and I, we are, we are distinct and unique from all other creatures that God created. Everything that God created, you and I, we are set apart. We are the apple of God's eye. When, when God created everything, he just spoke a word, right? God, he created everything and he just spoke a word. But when he created you and me, God, he got into the dirt and he, he, he formed us with his hands and he went face to face with humanity and he breathed the breath of life into us. Come on, somebody. We're unique, we're distinct, we're the apple of his eye, we're the people of God, we are the children of God. So I know God loves animals, but God loves us more. And I know God loves nature, he created it, but guess what, he loves you more. There's nothing on planet earth that God loves more than people, people. And the Bible says that you and I, we were created in the image of God. So that's cool, because if you're like a teacher or a student, or you're a coach, or you're a business owner, or if you're a, a, a wife or a husband, or no matter, where, no matter who you are or where you are at, did you know that your purpose in life is not that thing? That's secondary. Your purpose in life is to give God glory, is to reflect God and represent God. And that's good news, because that means that you don't have to wait to walk in purpose. You can be single and walk in purpose, hallelujah. You can have no money in your bank account and you can have purpose. You can be unknown and still honor God. You can be known and honor God. You can honor God with a mop in your hand. You can honor God as the CEO of a company. It doesn't matter where you are. You can represent God and you can reflect God. Come on, do you believe that today? You have purpose. But I think it would be bad on my part to tell you that you have purpose and that God cares about who you're becoming and he wants to shape you and form you, but not tell you how he does it how he does it. See, I need you to know today that God will use anything and everything to accomplish what he's trying to do in your life. He is so passionate about who you're becoming on the inside, your heart. God cares so much about your heart that he will use anything and everything to accomplish forming you into the person he's called you to be. And so I'll say it again, he'll, he'll, he'll use the failure in your life. 
You saw something as failure. You discarded it. You said, I want to move on from that. I don't even want to remember that. But God's like, hold up, hold up. I'm going to use that to actually shape you and form you. We like the success part. And God's like, I'll use the success too. I feel like God, God will even use somebody that broke your heart. He'll use it. He'll use it to shape you. How many know God will use really annoying people to shape you? Don't look at them. They're sitting right next to you. I saw some of you just be like, yikes. This is why my wife is so spiritually mature, because she has to hang out with me all the time. You're welcome. (laughs) Say thank you to the annoying person. No, I'm kidding. Don't do it. (laughs) Come on. He'll use your kids. He'll, you, you could testify to that. They're in the room, but you're like, amen. He'll use your marriage. Don't say amen to that. I'm just helping you out. I'm giving you a good afternoon, okay? Just be quiet. He'll use the good, and he'll use the bad, and he'll use the ugly. He'll use a breakup. He'll use loneliness. He'll use rejection. He'll use trials. He'll use storms. Hear me today. He'll use a fiery furnace to make you into the person he's called you to be. A fiery furnace. And that's where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are. The context is that these people of Israel, they've been taken into captivity by Babylon. And Babylon was this, was this international powerhouse. They were strong. They, they had armies. And, and, and God gave the people of Israel over to Babylon. And I've heard it said that captivity is far greater than slavery because when you're a slave, you know you're a slave. But when you're in, when you're in captivity, you begin to lose your distinction. You begin to lose your identity. You begin to forget who you are. You begin to uh, uh, adopt the culture you are now living in. And this is what, this is how Babylon conquered nations. They would give you a new name and they would give you a new job and they would, they would um, have you do things that weren't good in the nation that you came from so that you would be stripped of your purpose, so that you would be stripped of your identity. And this is what's being done to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which again, by the way, these are not their Hebrew names. These are their Babylonian names. They were given new names so that they would forget who they were, that they were the people of God, that they were set apart, that they were chosen. Come on, somebody. That they were used by God to bless the world, that they would forget who they were. Because what captivity does is it makes you and me forget who we are. That'll preach. That'll preach. Jesus said he'd come to set the captives free. See, you might not be a slave to sin, but you might be a captive to sin. You might be in captivity and you don't even know it because you think you're doing the right thing because you're so accustomed to what you're now doing. So the Bible says King Nebuchadnezzar, he does this something crazy. He he builds a 90-foot statue. 90 feet, that's a big statue. That's a big image, right? He says, whoa, that's, that's, a big, that's a big statue. He builds this 90-foot statue, and this is what he says. he says. He says, when the music plays in the public places, I want everybody to hear that hears the music. I want, the, I want you to bow down to the image that I've made. I want you to bow down to the image that I made. But what's interesting is that King Nebuchadnezzar, he, isn't, he essentially isn't saying that, that I want you to worship our gods instead of your god. What he's essentially saying is, I want you to worship our gods in addition to your God. Which we do, by the way. In other words, 
I don't care who you worship at home or in, pri- in the private place, but when you're in public, I need you to bow down. And this is what captivity does. It attempts for you to make your faith private. It attempts to silence our faith. It attempts to make our faith only be in private but not in public. I know you love Jesus in your home and I know you love Jesus here, but what does your life look like out there? What does your life look like on a Monday? What does your life look like on a Tuesday? Are you still singing praises to God? Because listen, it's easy when you come up in here and there's 300, 400 people and we're all like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it, listen, why? Because it's, it's almost now become acceptable to worship God. I wonder sometimes, am I worshiping Jesus or am I worshiping acceptance? See, can I tell you pure worship Pure worship, which by the way is what we should desire, pure worship is when my reward is Jesus, not eyes seen me. See, when I worship in home, let me say it like this actually, if I don't worship at home, maybe it's because there's no reward at home. Maybe because when I go to worship in the private place, nobody sees me, so what's the point? But when I come into church and just do what a good Christian should do, and I begin to lift my hands and I begin to sing praises to God, maybe the reason I'm doing it is because it's what I'm supposed to do, not because what I actually want to do. And I felt like God wants to challenge us today that he wants pure worship, not because he's mean or demanding or wants to burden you, but because he's good and he's worthy. Listen, he's worthy, he's worthy. Can we give him praise right now, actually? and he's holy, and there's no one like him. And I'm telling you, when you get to a place where your reward is Jesus, everything will change for you. You'll begin to see things you've never seen before. you begin to hear things you've never heard before. I'm not saying you're gonna go into ministry. I'm not saying you're gonna be a preacher or anything like that, but God will do things that you didn't even know he could do. When you just let go, I don't care if anybody sees me I want Jesus. I want Jesus. See, we can't deny that in our culture there's a pressure to conform. There's a pressure to look like everybody else. There's a pressure, listen, as Christians to go, well, we don't want to be too weird, you know. We, and listen, I'm not saying, like, like, don't be too weird. Sure, I'm, I'm, I feel like there's a good balance to that. But, like, when we get so scared because we're just, like, I don't want to be rejected, man. I, has anybody felt that pressure before? I know I have, even as a pastor. I have friends in like the photography world because I'm a photographer. I, that's what I used to do. And I have friends that I know hate Christians and hate Jesus. And so I always count the cost when I post something about Jesus. What's it going to do to my friends? How are they going to see me? And God is looking for some people that would not be afraid to be seen with him. God is looking for some people who would not be ashamed of the gospel. God is looking for some people that would want to be seen with Jesus. Because guess what? Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? The world hated me. They're going to hate you too. Does that mean, does that mean you get, listen, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Because you're like, oh, I just got licensed to be a jerk. No. No. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. 
See, sometimes we're like, we're mean, and we go, well, the world's gonna hate me because they hate Jesus, ha <laughs> ha. Uh, no, they hate you because you're mean. They hate you because you're a jerk. <laughs> See, when we follow Jesus, we're actually supposed to start to look like Jesus. Listen, you don't follow Jesus and get more bitter. You don't follow Jesus and get more angry. You don't follow Jesus and get more argumentative. No, you follow Jesus and you begin to bear fruit. Fruit will come forth and it will reveal the life that you've been building upon. Are you building upon Jesus or are you building upon the world? Because if you're following Jesus and it's making you more mean, you're not building on Jesus. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. You've been building on something that is false. It's counterfeit. But when we build on Jesus, oh, I can't help but be compassionate. I can't help but love. I can't help but reach out. I can't help but pray. I can't help but to bear joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I can't help but memorize scriptures because I'm a pastor. It's okay. You can do it too. No, I'm kidding. I don't even know where I am because this is completely different from what I preached in the first. Um, there's, there's a pressure to conform. What does Paul say in Romans chapter 12? He says, he says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, in life, I want you to hear me. You are either conforming or you're transforming. It's not both. And you're not neutral. Some, I hear people, well, you know, I've just been in a season of stagnancy. No, 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 no. You've been going forward or you've been going backward. You're either conforming to the patterns of this world or you're being transformed into the person God has called you to be. That's it. That's it. That's all there is. That's all there is. And there will always be a pressure in our culture to conform to the patterns of this world. What does conform mean? It means to pattern after. It means to, to be shaped by. It means to be pressed into a mold. And I wonder today if we have Christians that are being shaped by culture or if we have Christians today that are being shaped by Jesus. Are you doing okay? Are you with me, church? I don't know why you're getting this, but you're getting this. But I want you to know it's for me as much as it's for you. I'm talking to myself today. I really am. I'm not just saying that. Um... See, the, the pattern of this world, it's all about the exterior. God is all about the interior. See, the pattern of this world, it will get you to conform so that you just have the appearance of something real. God will get you to transform so you actually have something real. I don't want the appearance of something real. I want something real. And so there's a pressure in our culture for Christians to do business like, like, like the world does business. And there's a pressure in our culture for Christians to, to be influenced by what the world is influenced by, to do relationships like the world does relationships, to post things that are popular but not things that are biblical. But I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they weren't having it. They're like, nope, not on my watch. They said, I'll honor the culture that we're living in, we'll even enjoy the fruit, the, the, the food and the arts and, and we will live here. In fact, they were promoted through the ranks because they were different. I don't have time to get into that, but that's why it says his attitude towards them changed because of who they were, not because of what they were doing, but because of who they were. That's why they got promoted, by the way. 
because King Nebuchadnezzar saw him and said, you're different. And they began to get promoted in a, in a nation that wasn't even their own. And they said, we'll live here and, and we'll honor, but the moment you ask me to conform, the moment that you ask me to bow down to anything other than God, no thanks. I draw the line right here. This has gone far enough. And this is what the Bible says. It says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know we're not going to bow. That's faith right there. Yo, that's full-grown faith right there. Like, listen, there's like, there's faith that God can. That's where most of us are at. Oh, yeah, yeah, God can. I believe it. Then there's like another level where it's faith that God will. Absolutely, he's going to do it. How do you know? I just know. And then there's like this whole other level of faith, this boss level of faith. And it says, it says, God is going to do it even if he doesn't do it. What in the world? That's faith right there. It's saying, listen, listen, we're not gonna bow because even if God doesn't do it, he's still gonna deliver us from your majesty's hands. And I just wonder if there's anybody in the house today that would say, I want God to elevate my faith to a level that's not rooted, listen, it's not rooted in outcomes. It's not rooted in what he can do for me. It's not rooted in blessing. No, it's rooted in who he is, that he is a deliverer. So I will put my trust in God. That's what I want. It's a faith that says this. No matter what happens, we win. We win. We're not going to bow. We're not going to conform to the patterns of this world. We're going to honor God, even if it means going into a furnace. Because I don't know if you read the text, but King Nebuchadnezzar throws him in the fire. Darn. Uh-oh. I thought that if I had faith and if I obeyed, that I wouldn't go into the fire. Nope, not true. Not true, not true. Have you ever gotten into a fight before? Yeah, on the way to church, calm down. God's gonna restore your marriage. I'm kidding, that's not funny. He really will. You've been in a fight before, right? Especially the, the guys in the room, they know what I'm talking about when I say it's the, the pre-fight hype. You know what I'm talking about? You get a little bark in you. You're like, what, what? You want to fight? What, what? I'm crazy. I'll cut you, right? You got to intimidate a little bit. You got to have like some intimidation. And then they, the other person like actually squares up and you're like, well, I was just kidding, bro. Like I wouldn't really want to fight you. Can I buy you lunch? You look hungry. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, right? Or, like you look back at your friends like, hold me back. Hold me. No, seriously, somebody hold me back, okay? That's what friends are for. That's what friends are for. Like, I can imagine Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being like, yeah, whatever, king, throw us in the fire. We don't care. We're not gonna bow down. King's like, throw them in. They're like, whoa, whoa, hold up, king. Hold up, king. Hold up. Wait, 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 wait. Don't throw us in the fire. You're actually gonna throw us in the fire? Okay. Uh, are you like me? When a storm, when a season comes that you don't really wanna go into, are you like me? Are you like, hey, God, I know some other people that could go into the furnace instead of me. Like, I got a list of names. I'm not saying I'm going to give them to you, but if you ask, I'll give them to you. <laughs> like, I feel, 
I'm trying my best out here, God. In fact, I feel like I'm one of the good ones. I, so-and-so's not even trying. That person over there, look at them. I know you see all things, God. They're not even trying. Like, I read my Bible, I pray, I tithe, I come to church. They're not even, yes, I'm judging them right now, but they're not even trying, God. They're not even trying. <laughs> and I can only wonder what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are actually feeling in this moment. We're honoring you, God. Why are we going into a furnace? That's tough. That is tough, and it's so real. You ever have those thoughts? It's like when something wrong, something goes wrong, our first thought is, what did I do? What did I do wrong? Did I sin? Did I mess up? Did I not hear you? What's going on? What did I do? Because we have a misconception of life. See, there's a couple scenarios that we do understand in life. The first one would be, do bad, get bad. We get that, right? We like that as long as we're not the ones doing bad. When we're the ones doing bad, we're like, can I get some justice or can I get some grace, please? When somebody else does bad, we're like, justice, get them. We also, we understand do good, get good. That makes sense. Sounds like America to me. If you do good, you get good. That's awesome. We like that too, as long as we're the ones doing good. My coworker gets good and I get mad. Why didn't I get the promotion? Believers should understand this. Do bad, get good. That's the gospel. Come on, is anybody grateful for the gospel? I said something about America and it got really quiet in here. It's really telling. Are you guys okay? All right. Do bad, get good. It's the gospel. Listen, you did your worst and you got God's best. And there's this other scenario that we, it doesn't mix well with our understanding of life and it goes like this, where we do good but we get bad. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I did the right thing, but I'm getting the wrong reward. What's going on? Can I tell you what's happening? Life is happening. Faith is happening. Jesus called it tribulations. Paul called it a good fight. Peter called it fiery furnace. James calls it trials. It doesn't matter what you call it. The teaching is still the same, that you can have faith in God and you can even obey God, but life has a way of bringing you into fiery furnaces. And I feel like I need to tell you that today because we have a tendency to lie to ourselves that if I do good, I'll get good. Somebody lied to you along the way that if you follow Jesus, only good things will begin to happen to you. And it's just not true. It's just not true. Like, don't get me wrong. It's good following Jesus. I love following Jesus. It's the best thing ever is to follow Jesus. But we will run into trials in life. We will run into fights in life. Is there anybody that's in a fight today? Is there anybody that's got some prayer requests today? Come on. Is there anybody that's in the furnace today? You're obeying God and the temperature's going higher. What is going on? Can we just get real today? Why should I obey God? if I'm gonna go through the furnace. Oh, you never thought that before? You're gonna do me like that? Okay, all right, I'm the only one? No, I know you thought that before. Can I tell you why? Because only faith can take a bad furnace designed to punish you and turn it into a good furnace designed to purify you. 
Only faith can take a bad furnace designed to punish you, turn it into a good furnace designed to purify you. Only faith, hear me, it can come to a dead end and see the opportunity for God to part a Red Sea. Only faith can see one little boy's lunch and see it as an opportunity to feed 15,000 people. Only faith can see a dead situation but still believe that there's a God of the resurrection and he can bring dead things to life. Come on, is there anybody in the room today that believes that? Come on, can we give God a shout of praise? Because we believe it, we believe it. We believe that. And I wanna be really clear today that God does not have to send it for him to use it. Stop saying God sent the furnace. No, Nebuchadnezzar caused the furnace. God did not send the furnace, but in his sovereignty, he will use the furnace. He'll use the furnace. He'll use it. Because he is so passionate about making us the person he's called us to be. And listen, trials will do to faith what the furnace does to gold. It purifies it. It purifies it. God will take that thing and he will, he, the thing that was put on us to take us out, God will use to take things out that don't belong. Hmm. And some of us, we're experiencing some emotions that are not like God. Some of us in the room, we're angry. Maybe we're experiencing lust, or maybe we're experiencing greed, and we're wondering where these things came from. Can I tell you, they didn't come from nowhere. Your life is on the furnace, and what's in you is coming to the surface. It's the same process that it takes to purify gold. They put gold in the furnace, and what happens? The impurities come to the top, and they scrape off the impurities, and they do it over and over again until the impurities are gone. And it's the same process that God uses to, pur to purify us. And he will use storms and he will use trials and he will use a furnace to pull out everything within us that does not reflect him. He'll do it. And I felt like there's some people in the room, you're in a furnace right now. You're in a battle right now. You're in a storm right now. And I encourage you, stop trying to get out of it so fast. And start asking God, what do you want to do in it? Stop asking God, why is this happening to me? Start asking God, what do you want to do in this? Because he will use it to purify us, to purify our faith. Let him use it. Because the, the furnace, listen to me, it's not a lifelong experience. It's just for a season. And I don't know about you, but I want everything that God wants to do in me in this season why? Because I know that this season is going to come to an end. I want to walk out different than how I came in. Do you want to walk out different than how you came in? Can I pray for you right now? Will you lift your hands to heaven? If that's you, if you're like, yes, somebody in my heart, I just need to respond to this. God, I pray you see these hands and I pray you see these hearts and I pray right now, God, you would strengthen us. God, you would strengthen our faith to wait upon you. You would strengthen our mind, Jesus, to know that you're doing something, that this isn't just for nothing, God. You're actually working something on the inside of us and I pray right now that you would purify us, that you would clean us, that you would wash us, and God, we would begin to reflect you. We begin to look like you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're not done yet, hang on. But the worship team can come up because it's 1226. <laughs> Sorry, the Holy Spirit was speaking, but I want to honor my time, so I'm going to do my best to, to be done. But 
I just want you to see, without really going into it, I just want you to see that God not only uses the furnace, but he's with you in the furnace. He's with you in the furnace. And I, that doesn't get a lot of amens because we've heard it a thousand times. We're like, yeah, yeah, he's with me. But I, need, I feel like I needed to remind you because we have a tendency to, tendency to forget that God is with you. He's with you. You remember Nebuchadnezzar? He looks in and he's like, didn't we throw three people in there? And I see four people. I see four people and they're walking around and the fourth one, he looks like the son of the gods. He was using his language to articulate what we would understand. This is a, theo a theophany. It's a Christophany. It's a pre-incarnate Christ showing up in the Old Testament, showing up in a situation before he would come in the New Testament. This is Jesus in the fire. And I need you to know today that I don't know what you're going through, but Jesus is with you in the fire. And what I love is that in no point in the text, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, did they see the fourth man. They never saw the fourth man. It took another person to see what was in their situation. And I just came to tap you on the shoulder today as that other person and remind you, God is with you in this battle. God is with you in this furnace. God is with you in this storm. He's with you. He's with you. Even if you don't sense it, he's right next to you. He's right next to you. He's right next to you. Come on, as I, as I close today, if I asked you, what was the miracle of this story? We're, let's go back to Sunday school. What was the miracle of the story, kids? No, I'm kidding. We would probably all have like a similar answer, which is the right answer, is that the miracle is that they, they made it through the fire, right? What is it? It's the miracle of perseverance. Some of us ought to thank God today because I know that there's some people in the room the fact that you're sitting in church today is a miracle. If I gave you the microphone and you begin to testify of all the seasons of life that you've been through, everything would shout, you don't belong here. You shouldn't be here. But you're here today in God's house. Can I tell you why? The miracle of perseverance. Because God is with you. And you're making it through the fire. But what if I told you that there was a second miracle? There's two miracles. You get two miracles for the price of one? No, I'm kidding. It's not funny. There's a second miracle. Look what the Bible says. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace. He shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they came out of the fire. The satraps and the prefects and the governors and the royal advisors, they crowded around them which, oh, I don't have time, I don't have time. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies. Listen, nor was a hair on their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. Did you see it? Did you see the second miracle? The first miracles, they made it through the fire. Oh, the second miracle, they didn't smell like smoke. What is that? It's the miracle of preservation. Oh, man, there's a miracle of perseverance, and then there's the miracle of preservation. What is it? It's you coming out of the fire as if you never went through the fire. It's you coming out of that situation as if you never went through that situation. It's you coming out of that betrayal and that rejection and what that thing that happened to you that wrecked you, but you come out of it, and it's as if you were brand new. It's not on you. Have you ever gone to a bonfire? What's the best thing about a bonfire? The warmth, friends, the marshmallows, the hot dogs, come on somebody. What's the worst thing about the bonfire? You smell like smoke. 
I gotta go home and I gotta like change my clothes immediately. I'm like, get this off me. I, I have something weird. I don't like stains and I don't like to smell. So it's bad. But listen, if I, if I came home one day from a bonfire and I was like, wait, you know, hear me sneak, sniff, right? And I, <laughs> and I sniffed my clothes and I didn't smell smoke. How do you know that would be a miracle? It'd be a miracle to me. Why? Because, listen, I was in an environment and that environment didn't get on me. And some of you, I just felt the Lord, you've been in environments that you didn't deserve that you thought would wreck your faith. But here's the goodness of God. That environment didn't get on you. What is that? It's the miracle of preservation. It's the miracle of preservation. It's, it, it's, it's David, not just enduring King Saul, but by the end of his reign, still honoring King Saul. It's preservation. It's Joshua going through the wilderness, but he did not step into the promised land with a wilderness mentality. It's preservation. It's Jesus on the cross betrayed by those he loves the most. Yet the words that came out of his mouth were, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What is that? It's preservation. It's that you came out of the fire as if you didn't go through the fire. Can I say it like this? You don't look like what you've been through. You don't look like what you've been through. You don't smell like what you've been through. You don't smell like it anymore because God preserved you. Is anybody thankful that God preserved you in the fire? That he persevered and he preserved. Oh, I'm, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. But Because I know that there's some people here and you're here and I applaud that so much. I'm so glad you're here. But if you're being honest, the smell of smoke from last season is still on you in this new season. What is it? What is it in this new season that's on you from the last season? It's offense, it's bitterness, it's rejection, it's loneliness. Listen to me, you went through something you didn't deserve. I'm not saying it's still on you because it's your fault. You went through something that maybe you did deserve, I don't know. But all I know is you're in this new season and you can't even enjoy this new space that God has you in because the residue of the past is still on you. And I felt like God would, would say today, I am the redeemer. I am the restorer. I am the one who can blow the smoke off your life. I am the one who can rebuild what's been broken. Are you, are you there today? Who's this for? smoke is still on you. And if we're not careful, we'll move into a season where we begin to push everybody away. We begin to isolate. We begin to put walls around our heart because we were hurt in the past and we've made a decision, I will not be hurt again in the future. But I would say today, will you open up your heart again? Will you begin to let people in again because God wants to touch your heart and he wants to, guess what? He can still preserve you. It's not too late. Your testimony today can be, God preserved me. Because hear me, he'll even use the smoke on our life to bring about the person he's called us to be. And you smell like smoke for a season, but God's gonna turn it around for you. What the enemy meant for evil, God turns it around for good. He turns it around for good. Will you stand to your feet today? I wanna pray. I wanna pray. Jesus. We need you. God, I pray for hearts right now. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hands. 
I just want you to let you, or just posture yourself in a, in a posture of receiving if that's, like you're just gonna receive something, put your hands out in front of you. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now you would come and you would do what you do. Who are you? You are a redeemer. You're a restorer. You're a rebuilder. You're the God who can take what the enemy meant for evil and use it for good. God, the enemy has come and he has stolen and he has tried to kill and he has tried to destroy. But we thank you, Jesus, that you don't let that happen today. God, that you're going to take what the enemy tried to kill, tried to destroy, tried to steal, and you're going to restore it, God. Restore it, Jesus. Restore it, Holy Spirit. I pray you touch our hearts right now. God, would you make us soft again? Would you make us sensitive to your spirit again? God, would you make us stand up in our spirit again? Would you cause us to sing again? God, would you cause us to have childlike faith again? God, would you cause us to dream again? Would you cause our heart to be pure again, God? And our mind to be pure again, God? We receive you, Jesus. We receive you. And today, if there's anybody in the room and you're here and you haven't given your life over to Jesus, you can make a decision today to enter into his family. You can make a decision today. The Bible says that the, that the wages of sin is, is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And this is the whole point of life, that we need a savior because we in and ourselves can't do it. And, and it's not about your earning. It's not about your deserving. It's not of anything that you can do. I pray that you would just simply receive it today. Maybe there's somebody here and you feel like I've walked away from God, maybe even because of a storm or a trial or, or something that you went through and you have slowly kind of started to distance yourself from God. And today you want to dedicate this day to Jesus. You want to dedicate this day and say, I want to come back to God. If anybody's in here, would you just lift your hands so I could pray for you, so I could pray for you. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God is good, amen? Well, I really think he's taken us from glory to glory. He's taken, taken us from strength to strength. Don't miss out on what God is doing. Come on, I know if you're watching online and you receive Jesus today as your Savior, you text H-O-T-L to 97000. I'm going to do something I didn't do in the first service. Sorry, man. Sorry, Crystal. But if you're new with us, we'd love to connect with you out in the foyer. We got a gift for you. But hey, hey hold on, hold on. If you need ministry today, we're going to have prayer teams up here. And I just think we're, we're kind of, we're in a season where we're just lingering a little bit. And I, I hope that's okay. I hope you're not missing too much of your football game. I hope you're not too hungry. But can I just please encourage you don't leave here with something stuck on you that God can take off in a moment. I'm telling you, get somebody to lay some hands and just pray that thing off. You don't have to leave here burdened with the things that are still stuck on you from last season. You can step into a new season today and you can feel lighter than you have felt in a long time. I really believe that. So yes, we're gonna have some prayer teams up here. I'm gonna close, I'm gonna close. And if you need prayer, come get prayer. Please be bold. I think Pastor Jeff was, he, he took over in the second. He was just saying, sometimes we have to make a step. Sometimes we got to actually move forward. Sometimes it's not just a mental thing. It's actually a physical thing that we do, and God seems to solidify it in our soul. Amen? So I'm going to pray. Jesus, I pray a blessing. I pray, to God, that you would go with us. God, I thank you for what you did today. And God, here's our heart. We want more. 
We want more. So I pray tonight, I pray tomorrow, I pray Tuesday, I pray Wednesday that we would be caught up with you. God, we would want your presence. God, you would refresh a desire and a hunger for you. And Jesus, we would begin to know you like we've never known you before in this season. We love you, Jesus. We pray all these things in your mighty name. Come on, can you say amen? Can you say let it be? Let it be, let it be. We love you. We're gonna have some ministry up here if you want ministry for anything. If not, you're dismissed, and we'll see you guys next week. We love you. We love you.